this is Anna. Welcome to Read a Pod Podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me. Gosh, I appreciate it. That's no problem. Oh, Oh, I couldn't appreciate it enough. (laughs) Yeah, no, my pleasure. Dead Horse Gap was just a wonderful novel. This is the third one of yours that I've read and I loved it even more. Oh, that's great. Oh, you must be so proud. Are you just reveling in your fantasticness, (laughs) your giftedness (laughs) at writing? It's unreal. No, not so much. I'm enjoying it. I'm very happy with how it seems to have been received. That was mm-hmm. one thing that I was worried about um, because the first two novels, Charlotte Pass and Crackenback, were received very well. Mm-hmm. And so I think when that happens, the pressure is on you to, you know, when I felt the pressure when I was writing Crackenback that I wanted to make it different but as good as Charlotte Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that, you know. The oh, you well and truly have, yes, absolutely. And, um, and then again, and then it was received really well. And then with Dead Horse Gap, I thought, oh, well, again, I have to do something different. I was mm-hmm. very conscious of not writing the same story but with different characters. Like Absolutely, really yeah. To, you know, have a, because it's a police procedural, have that, yes. that unique story of what the case is about. Yes. Even though, you know, the characters are common characters. So um, just decided to go wide with this one over a larger area and, um wanted to put in the alpine huts and some snow leases and I just went for it. So, but I don't think we can ever really know how the book is going to go. Mm. It's always a nervous wait when it goes out to reviewers and, yeah. and that and to readers. You're always thinking, oh, I wonder how, how it's it going to go. It must be so nerve-wracking, especially because you've got no control over it. Like um, me with the shop, like you you do your best possible job, but if people aren't walking past, they're not going to come in. They're not. There's no point in <laughs> and it yeah. must must be that uh, whole next level, yeah. Well, it it is um, because you can control, you know, to a certain extent the book you write and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. But once it's out there, it's beyond your control, and it, it can just be sometimes the market. Yeah, um, you know, as you're saying, you know, if people aren't. If there's no foot traffic past your shop, mm, you mm. can't really go out and drag people into the yeah, shop. No, no, you're really going to love it. I promise. Come in. <laughs> so, yeah, those things are beyond beyond our control. Yeah, well and truly. But, goodness, I think there's no no need to fear for that, for this <laughs> novel. It's wonderful. Can we just quickly talk about the start of the book as well? Now, that, oh, yeah, yeah. that what, a, what an opening scene. Oh, <laughs> Well, that was the plane. The plane crash. uh, Yeah. It was um, something that I needed a lot of uh, help with, like technical information. I knew I wanted him to come in in the dark. I wanted him to fly over the mountains, land on Cancoban Airport. And um, it's a notoriously difficult airport to land on. It was built by the Snowy Hydro Mm -hmm. um, while they were building it up in the mountains so um you've got to be a skilled pilot to get in there and it has a three kilometer bondage that sort of stretches i was just astounded by how cold i felt while i was reading it in the middle of january it was just extraordinary you've captured the alpine and the snow and the oh it was just fantastic congratulations oh thank you yeah it is funny that the books have come out in february Mm. um i imagined at first that they you know that they might come out in april April or May mm. in readiness for the, the ski season. But they seem to go well in February. And I don't know whether that's just because it's so hot in Australia in February. And you're looking <laughs> for a cool change. 
sitting inside with the aircon on um, or, you know, reading at the beach uh, somewhere where, you know, it's nice and cool. But, yes, a lot of people have said, you know, that they've been Mm. sitting there with a blanket over them with the air conditioning on reading about the snow (laughs) and forgetting about the heat outside. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) extraordinary. And it is funny that they come out in the height of summer, but why mess with the winning formula? It works, doesn't it? That's great. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned before about the huts. Now, that was something that I have gone on road trips with Dave and and seen the huts that you're referring to. I didn't realise that there were so many of them all throughout. It's great, isn't it? It is. And um, there used to be more. There used to be over Mm. 200. Wow. Two hundred now. I'm not sure of the actual number, but it's somewhere between one hundred and two hundred. But they're always rebuilding them and restoring them after bushfires. And we had those devastating bushfires in 2020, where quite a few, you know, of them were lost. They do rebuild them, and they try to, you know, rebuild them with the materials, the sticking as close to the original builders because they would be heritage listed. Yeah, but some of the materials, I guess, you can't really, yeah, you know, like bark roofs. On yeah. some of the place by own roofs and things like yeah. that. So um, they're called the historic huts. And there is a good website called uh, Kosciuszko Huts Association, and people can you can volunteer, but they do have a lot of people who you know know their craft and help rebuild the huts. Um, some have been built by fishermen, and they're beautiful ones that have been constructed of riverstone. They have the riverstone fireplaces in them. Oh wow! Um, really old ones that have been built by the cattlemen, the stockmen. Yeah that used to bring the cattle up to the high country in the hot summer months they mm-hmm. graze in the cooler climes so there's the huts have been built by the cattlemen that's what's in my story yes that's yeah the heart up at dead horse gap and then there's ones that were built by the snowy hydro mm-hmm. um, for when they build the first snowy hydro build uh, as protection for their workers if they got caught mm-hmm. out in the weather because the weather can change so quickly down there yeah and it's quite dangerous. And then, of course, they were built by the skiing industry as well. So mm. there were people perishing in the back country, and so they built them a shelter. I mean, one family lost a son decades ago in the back country and constructed a hut at site where he was found. Oh. Um, so, you know, they've been built what by... a lovely legacy, yeah. Over the centuries. Yeah. Whenever you need shelter, it's almost like paying it forward. I mean, it is paying it forward, isn't it, to, to the next generation what what will make it easier yeah yeah so uh, you know I was eager to put those in because for those people that have read Charlotte Pass Mm. a lot of good feedback from people that didn't know about the chairlift that ran between Charlotte Pass and Mm, I didn't yeah now people were really interested in that and some people thought that you know it was part of the fiction side of the story but of course while the characters and all of that are fictional um that was actually you know historically accurate as far as where the the chairlift ran and for how long it ran for um, mm-hmm. and people were really taken with that and so I thought oh well you know maybe there's a lot of people out there that probably might not have been down to that area and don't know about the historic huts that might find that interesting as well. Yeah oh I thought it was just fascinating um, especially because we had seen them and I think when we were retired <laughs> Yeah. We wonderful to go on a road trip and go from hut to hut to hut. And we talked yes. about it in the car on the way back, but I hadn't really given it much thought about who built them, why they built them, and just the the beauty of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they really should be preserved. And that, yeah. that, uh, at that time, you know, Australia was burning and we had people's mm. homes being lost yeah. on 
the south coast in those terrible yes. bushfires and yeah. while the huts are very valuable and and historically valuable culturally important here, yes yeah the first thing is to save people's homes so yeah. um you know that's always i guess the priority but of you course, know we didn't that those sure. fires were so bad we didn't have enough manpower and no. even when we did have enough manpower they couldn't be stopped so yeah. But yeah. it's good that they're rebuilding many of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you come to writing these books in the first place? It's well, I've gone, just you know, visited Charlotte Pass and and, um, and the Snowy Mountains since I was in year eight at high school was mm-hmm. when I went down to to what we got we call the Snowies um, on a school excursion and we actually went through the Snowy Hydro Information Centre at that time. Mm-hmm. Sort of they had all these slides and they used to show them to little children all that and I thought it was sort of fascinating back then and and then we went up and skied for a couple of days or toboggan and that and I thought it was fantastic I loved it from that time and I was probably only about 13 started working and that we'd go back down and have a ski and that kind of but, but then I also visited in summer so mm. hiked over the mountains went up to the summit up to the, the top of Kosciuszko and the dead horse track right down by Threadbow River and down mm-hmm. to Cascades Hush and all of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've even been down there to the Redbow Jazz Festival and different oh, things. Wow. So, so I keep, I really like that area. Yeah. And, and you know, I, do, I do like the pool. I'm not a lover of the heat. And mm-hmm. so I do like cold weather. And, yeah, just gravitate back down there. And, of course, when I started writing, first time I visited Charlotte Pass, I got off the snowcat and thought, oh, this would make a great setting for a crime novel because of the fact that it's totally snowed in in winter and there's no way of getting in and out yeah. other than by snowcat or snowmobile. So, you know, if someone was murdered in there, you know, that it's completely isolated mm-hmm. and that would make it difficult for the perpetrator to get out yeah. as well. So, or it had to be somebody who was living in the very small village so uh, I just thought it'd make a perfect setting but it was a long long time until I wrote Charlotte Pass I wrote six books before then so um, I didn't really quite have the story for that one until I found out about that ill-fated chairlift yes Um, and and that sort of brought the story that had been mulling around in my head for so long together yeah but I think it's all the better for thinking time though isn't it any of these ideas I think I think I was loath to write Charlotte past until I had the story I was happy with. Right, yeah. And so how have you found the reception of Dead Horse Gap? Yeah, I've, um, I've made one in-person appearance over at the library last week oh, up wonderful. here in Newcastle. Yeah. And uh, they've had lots of Zoom events and things like yes. that. And then they're touring until later, till about yeah. October. Well, yeah. it's hard to know how 2022 was going to go, isn't it? And still it's hard to plan ahead, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, but it I mean, get more excited when you can do things <laughs> yes. well I'm, I'm booked in for the Mount Beauty Riders Festival which is up at Falls Creek so oh, it's wonderful. up in the snow fields of Victoria mm-hmm. and so I'm really looking forward to that in October and I thought I'd try to do a little tour around there speaking at a couple of libraries around that area and just yeah. stopping at a few places because I've had a library appearance cancelled that yeah. was supposed to go there and you know I think it was the Delta outbreak paid to that it was one of them yeah. anyway oh, um, no. and that so you know there's places that I can sort of visit on the way up to do that writers festival and then I'll go to Marimbula and then I'll come up to Cronulla on my way home yay <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, fantastic. Cannot wait. And what are, what are you going to be writing next? Are you going to do another Alpine thriller? Was this, will we see the same characters over again? <laughs> well, it's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to know at this stage. As I know. Well, yeah. when the, because when I did pitch this or when my agent uh, pitched it to, submitted it to Alan and Unwin, um, it was submitted as a trilogy. So it was oh, the right. story. It's been very popular. And so yeah. I don't like to say that's the end of it because mm-hmm. the characters, you know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of open to another story or it can be left that that's what they, they're but, going to do. Yeah, so that's what they've done. a bit vague, but I don't want any spoilers. No, but. absolutely not. Thank you so much for oh, talking yeah. with me. Okay, so thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe. See you next time on Read a Pod Podcast.